Welcome to the Are We Still Here podcast, where we talk about what really matters for you and your own health and fitness. I'm Jess. And I'm Sasha. And each week we'll come to you with a no-nonsense topic, which will make you challenge your own thoughts and ask, are we still here? Don't forget to like, share and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. And let's get to today's pod. Hello. Hi. Welcome to episode 102, just me and Jess today. On our own. On our own, some no guests. Uh, Danny's episode was really good um, last week, I really enjoyed it. And again, like Holly, not saying Danny is, uh, Danny's a little bit older than Holly, but Jess, what were we doing when we were 25? Oh my God, they've got so much more like of their head screwed screwed on. But I also think it is a little bit of like a generational thing now, like... Um, I had this conversation with, I can't remember who I had it with the other day, talking about uh, young adults who go to uni now and how they are more bothered about health and fitness than what we were. And binge mm-hmm. drinking isn't a thing like it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people just be more health conscious, but just more self-aware Yeah, I uh, think I... than we were uh, over a decade ago. I was not self-aware. No, not not in the slightest. And there's also, there is that part, isn't there, about like brain development and how it changes all the way up to the age of 27 yeah. and go through that final like shift yeah. into adult brain. Yeah. But I just think, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny okay. as well because you, uh, you think you're so grown up when you're like 21, don't you? Yeah, but they actually are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they've got that, like but what I remember being... Like, yeah, we, we had my friend Danny on the podcast, didn't we? If, yeah. A while ago, we were both saying when we were 20 on, we, we taught at Camp... Uh, not 21, we were 20. We taught at Camp America, and we just found it hilarious that we were the responsible adults in charge of these young teenagers. Whereas now I'm like, I was not a responsible adult, but I thought I was. It's mad. Did you see... I, I say, did you see that TikTok? Because we see, seem to be sent the same ones. But there's a guy that just said, um, here's some interesting news for today. Up until the age of 28... You're creating your body is regenerating new cells. So basically, you're still creating new cells. And then once you hit 28, you don't create any new cells. You're just on a slow decline. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's why my back hurts. <laughs> so that's why Holly and Danny are like these enlightened um, young people. They've got new cells. They've got old. Our, yeah. cell, our cells are like in Men in Black when there's that little old alien in that guy. <laughs> and oh. he's like, just trying. And we're like, well, we don't have any new ones. <laughs> um, I had this conversation with a client yesterday. She's only a couple of years older than me. And we were both talking about how when we hit 30. It's not that in any way, shape or form are we old, but we notice things in how our body feels all of a yeah. sudden. Like, but... I thought that was a bit of a myth. <laughs> like again, like how, how often do we say on the pod we like to think we're the exception to the rule? Like we love to think we're the exception to the rule. Like people love I'll that. I will be fine. Yeah. Um, and also like living a healthy and fit life. I thought, oh yeah, I'll be I'll be fine. But it's not that I feel overly like exhausted or tired or anything like that. But I just notice things a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that when we do, you do pick up an injury when you're a little bit older, 
the benefit of strength training is that the recovery is a lot quicker than if you didn't sort of exercise. I think that is a big thing. You're not going to not hurt or ache or whatever it might be, but yeah. it might not last just as long. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm reading um Dr. Peter Atia's book at the minute and it's I, I fucking love that shit. I feel like it's like my perfect book because it's got stories. It says about every book. This is, <laughs> but you know what? You know, some people struggle to read. I truly think that I would just want to say to those people, if you're listening, if you if you haven't found the right books. Yeah. You're reading a book and you don't wake up in the morning and it's next to you and you think, oh, I'll just squeeze in a chapter before I get up. It's the wrong book. I'm reading a fiction at the moment and I actually am like plowing through. I know I don't, I don't really very often read fiction. Yeah. I re- probably read like two fictions a year. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a big it. fiction. I, I On holiday, I tend to read fiction, but... But it's like I wake up and then I'm like, oh, what time is it? Oh, I'll, I'll, squeeze, I'll just see if I can squeeze in like even half a chapter. Um, but it's called Outlive and it's his, it took him six years to write. And it's basically he he studies longevity and he used to be a doctor. Um, but then he noticed that what we're actually doing is treating the diseases as they come rather than not saying, by the way, I'm not saying that all diseases are preventable. Obviously, I'm not saying that. And he says that quite a lot in the book, like, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) But because there's so much information out there showing that exercise is so good for preventing cardiovascular disease, it's like, why why is the medical industry putting so much money into treating that disease once it's here rather than money into making... Preventative. Yeah. So he says, like... um, uh, if you actually want to have long-term fitness in your head he's like let's say you'll live till 95 we don't know no one will know what do you want to be able to do at that age and he's literally he literally lists some things that he would like to be able to do at that age and he's like well you got them now work backwards mm. there you go there's your fitness program sorted yeah what do you want to be able to do oh I'd like to so he says like for example he'd like to be able to um walk up a hill for however long or um get up off the floor with one arm um I've got loads of stuff pick up something and put it above your head and he's like that's like when I'm really old and then if I'm like 60 or whatever I would still like to be able to do this and as we know with aerobic capacity and stuff like the older you get the better you get um so yeah it's just Oh, I love that shit. <laughs> God, I love it. So if anyone is interested in stuff like that, and it's got stories in it, um, it's funny. It's just, yeah, I love it. Book recommendation. Book recommendation of the week for Sasha. Yeah, love it. <laughs> um, today, we're going to be um, talking about how, what balance is but how it's different for every single person and how Jess and I um, found it when we didn't used to have it. (laughs) (laughs) And and this came from, um, I have a client who, um, her life is very social and she's a musician. So she, her kind of community and um, her surroundings and her environment are very much geared to socializing alcohol um gigs live music 
And so she finds it really hard to, and that's her, when, when I did her consultation, one of her priorities was community. So she's always, that's never going to stop. Mm. she's a musician and that's what she loves to do and she writes music but it's like you can't take that away so she's struggling to balance getting to a weekend and then cracking open a bottle of whatever with her friends music you know getting enjoying what she truly loves but also she her other priority was making health a bigger part health and fitness a bigger part of her life so you got like two things that are very important to this person and she's struggling to find a place where they both coexist in a way that supports each of them mm-hmm. hard yeah it is hard especially when like you say sometimes we have things that are conflicting um and what is often difficult is addressing sometimes that you can't have both in some instances some instances yeah that it's cognitive dissonance isn't it it's it's like smoking wanting to be fit and smoking loads of cigarettes unless you're one of those really odd resilient people who can do it it's like it's probably not gonna happen whether we like it or not Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's that um however in her case We've been working together since December 2021. So we've figured out that it is doable, but then sometimes it goes through stages where it kind of one takes over the other. And then at other times, one the other one takes over the other. Like if you've got a quiet three months, not too many gigs or music things, and it's like suddenly health and fitness is the main priority. And then when you get busy with that, that becomes a main priority. So it's like... And this is why I think um, I wanted to talk about this today because this is very unique to her because obviously me and you do not have that problem. We're not yeah. musicians. Um, but I'm sure that everyone listening has things that are important to them that kind of conflict where they maybe want to go in fitness, which is why so many, ugh, and I'm not afraid to say that I hate it when people say this, but when people say in their bio like I help people get into the best shape of their life without um what's the word sacrificing social things or whatever and I'm like that's just a buzzword because that's what a lot of people struggle with but also Mm -hmm. I don't think it's helpful because like I've just explained situations are incredibly unique um it's like so for us to use Jess as an example (laughs) I coached Jess for almost two years and she had long-term health and fitness in her brain but she also struggled to hold back when she was in a competitive environment which often led to injuries niggles Mm. more niggles Mm. than she would have had without it so finding balance between the thing that's important to her, which is being fit and healthy for life, but also enjoying some aspect of competitive sport, mm-hmm. which is in, unless you've, I mean, I've never done competitive sport. I've been in competitive environments, which as if you know this, if you know me and you listen to this podcast, you know, I do not like, but 
I understand that some people literally love it. So it's so you can't take it away because you can't it take away. Yeah, it takes yeah. Away, uh, you know passion, purpose, like just everything. But there, you do have to make certain sacrifices to be able to have them both in your life simultaneous simultaneously. Yeah. It's a hard one with that as well, because actually, like from someone who does a competitive sport, I argue by going in at a higher intensity actually reduces my chance of worse injuries, Mm -hmm. which sounds counterintuitive. But it's like if I go into a tackle half assed, like, oh, I'm not going to go in too hard. It's like I could get my leg more crunched than if I go (laughs) in with the force and the intention of where I want the ball to go. So it's like it, it. it's for me it's like the the risk is higher by not going into mm-hmm. something like a contact sport um with that um it is really interesting though because it's like mm-hmm. I, I am competitive in a like in a sport environment I love mm-hmm. like I've always loved that that type of like like I send you stuff all the time don't I, I'm like how six this and Sasha's like okay <laughs> yeah it's cool <laughs> I just think it's so cool but I'm actually not really that like, competitive in real life like you know in other situations it's just sport that I just think I just I find it really like inspiring I know that sounds a bit cheesy but um I think yeah there's certain things where I'm like great but like I have there's a certain video that I love that I've spoken about on this podcast before where I've watched it maybe 50 50 times and yeah it's competitive but I think my head goes to (laughs) or when I'm watching like like I love watching track um, mm. like 400, 800, 100, 200, 1,000 metres, whatever. I love that shit. But because when people are good at it, I think of what they've had to do. Yeah, but I think that as well, though, because like um, Jessica said it really well, didn't she, when we had her on for the running episode, which was people forget when we watch these like race videos or that's like watch the marathon. It's like, yeah, that's their best day. That's oh. their best day, but the hours and hours and months and years that they've spent to get to that point is the stuff you don't see. It's like the early morning workouts, the sacrifices that we're talking about, that balance where it's like they've had to say no to all these things. Um, There was an episode on the High Performance Podcast with Jill Scott, who is uh, ex-England women. And she Mm. basically said, like, you, you forget about that until she said, like, recently she's retired. She's like, I can't actually believe that this is life now, where she said, uh, her example was, can I have a cup of tea at nine o'clock at night? And she's like, I can have one now because I know if I stay up a little bit later. That matter too much. She's like, it's not the end of the world. But she said, oh God, for years, I will be like, I can't have that brew, even though I really want one because I've got to be up early. Or she'd um, sacrifice, obviously, football games are on a Saturday or Sunday often. It's like all the people's birthdays and weddings and all those things you miss, like, um, one of Matt's friends is a semi-pro footballer and he he's invited to our wedding in September, but he can't come because he's got no. a gate. So yeah. he's coming to the night time, but he can't come to the day because he's got a yeah. gate. I love that. It's like um when I when I first started working with Matt and he he asked me in our consult what in what or who inspired me. And it's funny because people will be like, you don't like competition or competitive sports, but you like, but like I absolutely love Matt Fraser. god I love him I used to watch his road to the games like me and Simon would be like 10 minutes until they release next episode of road to the games like we literally sat with with Sai's brother with a cup of tea like guys quick come in like we 
and none of us did CrossFit. None of us really cared about. We just we just loved watching him because he was so sick. And he used to say like it's funny because, you know, people post their one rep max clean on Instagram, and they, and everyone's like, oh my god, this is so sick. And he's like, you don't really. No one knows. No one knows what what it takes. People think you can just train once a day, and suddenly you're like. He's like, people don't see me in my dark, dingy basement on an assault bike with no windows, doing repeats for an hour, wanting to be sick. It's like not and by the way, that isn't health. Not health. Warning, warning. <laughs> Competitive sport, and hence why he retired at the age of 30. Just just to have put that in there. Um I think he was 30, yeah. Um and that, that's what I think. I always think we think that we kind of know what it takes and that it's like that and, and it's like these people who are up there we we don't even realize five percent of what it what it takes to to get to that level mm. I, think, I guess it goes back to what we were speaking about last week with Danny which was um a lot of people um who are in an amateur level or not even an amateur level sport just generally trying to yeah. approach their health and fitness take a sport attitude or like a a higher level attitude but then wonder why they can't sustain it because it's like well it's so it's designed yeah it's it's designed it's way beyond what you're able to express at the moment that's why yeah Yeah, exactly Um, and that and that takes us right back to balance and it's like that's why people struggle to find balance because they think they have to be these fitness people fitness identity they gotta wear the clothes have the shaker have the bag um go to the gym order a specific thing they have to talk about it all the time um when we say that you say that because why do you say that because it was me yeah i know yeah same that's why we say it that's why yeah that's why we're we're warning (laughs) don't do don't do what we did i did a post this morning and it got shared like loads of times and I was thinking, the people that are sharing this are the people that have done the same as me. And like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it's what we, and you know what? People get sucked into this. I see it all the time, all the time. And I can see, I just like, this isn't your life. This isn't your life. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a, a part of it. It's supposed to be, if you're training, what is it? What do they say? It's it, an hour is five percent of your day. Or I can't remember what the percentage yeah. is four percent or whatever. Um, and it's like if it, if training is only four percent of your day, then it should be four percent of the the other ninety six percent should be not focused on training. Mm-hmm. If unless you are doing it to um as a profession, got no yeah. choice. Like Jill, are you, getting paid, are you getting paid for it? Is a thing. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you should never think about training. You should just go and train and then forget that fitness ever was invented. Um, but you shouldn't have crippling, obsessive, like, thoughts about how to make it better all the time. Yeah, I think what's hard as well is when something's new and novel, we do mm-hmm. get a little bit carried away. Um, yeah. And we, we talk about things passionately, right? And that's that's... That's a nice thing. It's it's really nice. But it's being aware that it doesn't teeter over into like Sasha's obsession or mm-hmm. 
unhealthy approach in in the way mm. that you're thinking about it and it's all consuming because that's when if your goal is to like you just live like fitter and healthier it's not going to serve you in the long run like it, there is like you can think of any athlete ever and they, they say you have to be obsessed matt and i are watching the conor mcgregor uh yeah. series on netflix at the moment and he literally says like I was obsessed. Like I was to... genuinely obsessed. But when it comes to wanting to get to the best level in the world, which is what he did, yeah. it's like you have to like live and breathe it. But it does come at a cost of uh, relationships or whatever it might be. Like I always think it's like a credit to his wife that yeah, she fuck. stayed with him through that. And you might be like, well, that's true love, et cetera. But it's like, you can imagine that's a lot as a partner where it's like they're, they're out training X hours a day. They come home. I think he said as well, like they were on like benefits and stuff and she would cook him his meals and like on the low budget that they had and all that different types of stuff. So it, it is a big ask. Yeah. Um, and now he's the most, now he's the most highly paid athlete in the world. Yeah. Which is, which is mental. It's absolutely mental. But yeah, it's, um, I think it's important to, like Jess was just saying, the novelty, the excitement. And, and it's like, I think Jess will agree with me. We see it sometimes now. And I think it's when you first take on a client or you start working with a coach, it, it it's important in those first, I'd say three to four months to, to set the scene in an appropriate way. As in, obviously as clients only work with Jess and I, you know, they know what we're about. So usually there's, there's not usually any talk of like six week mini cuts or whatever, like, we never get that which is which is a testimony to us really because we never mention it so if we did I'd be like how did you get here um <laughs> how did you sneak in through that door but it's um it's important because I still see it to this day that we don't get excitement is great and I'm not saying don't be excited but it's important that we don't become mildly obsessive in the first three months if, uh, say uh, I programmed for Jess and she had in her first month she had four sessions a week and in that third week she missed one all right so who cares if Jess went out of her way or like cancelled a meeting or um, felt awful and did it anyway and just to squeeze that last session in that she missed just to tick it off so she could say that she'd done it that's when you're like okay we're supposed to be setting the scene for long term. You can't do that all the time. No. You, that's why people sometimes say to me, like, oh, but I miss one. Um, should I try and squeeze it in? I just go, nope. Ignore yeah. it. Do it next time. Because then you're creating or designing an unsustainable environment for you. Mm-hmm. As in, you're not going to squeeze stuff in all the time. You're going to miss. That's why I always say to clients, you're going to miss sessions. Don't get annoyed because you're if you're missing if you're doing four and you're missing one a week, then probably just go down to three. But if you're missing one session every now and again, yeah. Now and again, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Ignore it because stressing about it is probably gonna create more damage. I mean, missing that session is not gonna create any damage. Again, unless you're working, I don't know, say you've got <sighs> powerlifting competent, I don't know whatever it's like yeah you know the sessions become more important but when you're just training for fitness strength goals that you have in life you're gonna miss sessions yeah and the more that you can get used 
yeah, the more you can get used to that, what happens then, the better that you're setting yourself up for the future. I, I've had this discussion discussion with a client lately who's um kind of got like an ongoing injury, uh, yeah. but we've been adapting around it in a session. So we gave her a significant uh, little bit of time off at the beginning. And then when we knew we could ease her in through physio recommendations and bits and bobs, we we got her back into the gym and and her training has been a, a case of adapting it around her injury and making sure that we're, we're not making it any worse. We're, we're basically training what we can. Um, and she's seen great strides in the other areas that we've been focusing mm-hmm. on that haven't been impacted by her injury. But I also said to her uh, not long ago, I was like, this says so much about where this is going to take you in the future. Absolutely. So like, if you can learn to how you handle this now, it's giving you like one of the greatest tools because if, if anything ever comes up again, maybe this injury comes back or mm-hmm. you have something else in your life, you'll know how to plan around it. You'll know an appropriate amount of time to take off. Mm-hmm. You'll know when to push it and when to not. Yeah. You'll know um, how you can adapt your training sessions. I was like, so there's so many good things for us to to take on board from this. And she was like, yeah, you're actually, you actually are so right. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's the other thing as well. Um, you mentioned, there about the excitement and I think that's the thing to make sure people aren't chasing you're not just chasing a dopamine hit are you no no I I don't think so okay cool because I know we've done x amount of sessions together or whatever but I noticed that I don't know um this is this is what I used to have an issue with that old app that I was on Mm. it used to do milestones for the badges of like how many workouts you'd done which is punished by re- punished by rewards. But I can understand why psychologically gamification. We all know, like, look at um, Duolingo. Look at um, mm. any streaks where you keep up the momentum. It makes mm. you feel good. It is a dopamine mm. hit. There's a reason that apps put that on there because it's yeah, psychological. Of course. But when it comes to your workouts, it's like, do do, do Sasha and I go? We've done. <laughs> 9,000 workouts like no because eventually that novelty does wear off so instead of using that as the momentum in the beginning instead find different metrics which help you move forward which is like the success of how that felt for example Mm -hmm. how did that how did that run feel this month as opposed to that one that we did last month Mm. oh my god so much better I've really kind of understood how to like um pace my breathing a lot more and like I don't feel like I'm my strides is like heavy footed or whatever. It's like okay, that's really cool. So I'd much rather that than you tell me that was your twentieth run of us working together, because it's it's again chasing the wrong metric and it's it's this is why Apple watches and and all those things. Yeah. It's like they're fine in the beginning, but what if we actually set the right intention from the off instead of those metrics? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like um, and I also think. I think there's um always a time for like a, a specific bout of like challenge and training and but I think that not really mentioning when it's going to happen or um that there's a plan for a certain six weeks is also so much better you think to, to stop that gamification in yeah. my experience so for example let's say um, I have a client now who in her assessment she did the 10 minute assault bike test now people are like oh that sounds awful but it's like it's a great test. Everyone can do it. You, there's no um, intention for it. It's in the intention is to just do ten minutes as as much as you can. 
if you go too fast, you're going to have to stop. That's your test result. If you go too slow and then you sandbag it and at the end you speed up, that's your test result. It's not teaching you really like, it is teaching you what you can do, but it's teaching you how your brain works. As in, if you go too slow and you sandbag, then you probably don't, you probably are stronger than you think. If you start too fast, you probably, maybe your ego is taking over or you think you're fitter than you are, which a lot of people do. Um, it's just, it's, it's a great lesson. So, and it's also a really, really great test because you can do it again really easily with the same variables and just see the result. Yeah. Say so I did that with a client. If I said in six weeks, we're going to test that again. One is too short of a time, but two, if she missed one of those sessions, she'd be like, oh no, but my test is, oh, I want to, I will test her when I think she's ready for a test. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And I think- Otherwise, I'm just testing. And that would fall into, like we were saying, Jess, that would fall into thinking short-term, trying to keep the client excited or entertained. So she's, you know, it's like, it's not about that. I'll test her, uh, I can't remember. Let's say I test her end of July, okay? Yeah. One, you're allowing for more progress because there's more time. Two, it's not going to stress her out because I'll probably just be like, oh, next week, we're just going to do that bike again. If I said six weeks, come on, woo, come on, you got it. Come on, let's try, you know, let's try for this. And then because it's only been six weeks, like one calorie more on the, I'm just saying calories because that's how you measure it on the bike. It'd be like, oh, okay. Well, well, that's because I'm not expecting much progress in six weeks. And also the the difference between that mentality is um, when you are programming athletes, it's like you might do that every six weeks because they will be following a stricter mm-hmm. periodization in line mm-hmm. with the direction that they're going towards an event, a sport, mm-hmm. a race, whatever it is. That's when it's a it's a different story. But for when mm-hmm. it's somebody who, like you say, general population, people who want to be, be fitter, healthier, et cetera, it's like you don't need to make it yeah. like that. Um, yeah. And beginners spend a lot more time in that building phase than intermediates and advanced remember because you you, you literally need it so when yeah. you first started training and then suddenly in four weeks time you got a test you're like eh you, you can't test what what am I testing what am I, t- yeah, like, what am I testing yeah imagine being like to a beginner right we're gonna do a press-up test on week one and it's like they can't do a press-up and it's like okay week four we're doing a press-up test again it's like I still can't do a press-up <laughs> like exactly. what are you what are you doing yeah, exactly. it needs to make it make sense. Um, exactly. Yeah, so th- that's a little bit around training and balance and things like that. Um, out of interest, how how do you think your balance with training has changed over the years? Hmm. I I don't really look at my training anymore as weeks. I've noticed that recently. Um, again, I'll talk about Jay Fitz because he's my hero. Um, I remember he, when I had the call with him, he said, he said, most people should be um, walking. And by, I don't mean 10,000 steps. I just mean walking where they can, walking to the shop instead of driving to the shop, whatever, going on long walks in the hills on the weekend, whatever, if you can, if you're lucky enough to live next to places like that. Um, He said, but I just try and I'll just lift weights every few days. And I remember thinking, that's the beauty in 
he has simplified that so nicely where it's not like on Tuesdays I do this on Thursdays I do that and bear in mind at the beginning I did need that you need I, I feel like when you're starting Tuesday being lower body day or whatever I just made that up is probably helpful but because yeah, yeah. I'm in year 18 I always say from 18 because I trained before that but I don't even want to know what was going on not yeah. <laughs> good um so 14 years I've got to the point where I just lift weights every few days and do as much bike work as I can. Some t- some weeks it's hardly any, some weeks it's loads. Um and that's okay. And then the progress that I track personally is I know that without manipulating my diet more I'm not going to change aesthetically which I am 100% okay with because once you're an intermediate like Jess and I are, if Jess and I wanted to make extreme physique changes, there'd be had to be some serious food manipulation going on. And I'm sure Jess would agree with me that ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah. No, a... thank you. No, <laughs> Can't be asked. Um, so I look at, yeah, I do look at strength. I think, oh, but it's more like that felt terrible last week feels good this week I'll do an extra set it's not as um numerical it's not as data driven but the bike stuff is more data driven but that's more of me as a learning thing for me as well um looking at wattage and heart rate and um output yeah and I guess like a caveat to that is that's yours that's that's personal to you right no so one no, no one listening to this be like right so bike i need to do that no 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 oh god no trust me but that's that's very much like the individuals in like sash likes the bike sash is learning more about the bike that's why she's chosen that as her weapon of choice essentially yeah. um she also finds great joy in strength training for some people strength training as much as obviously we bang that drum all day long can, they can find benefits of training in other ways like say someone literally um we all of a sudden got a client that lived in the mountains and every single day they lifted like loads of heavy rocks up and down the hill because that was part of their daily routine. It's like, okay, we probably don't need to do as much things with you in regards to the gym right now because you've already got your own sort of thing going on. So when we talk about balance, it definitely comes down to you as the individual. And this is why we have the job that we do, which is how can we help that person make health and fitness fit into their life balanced Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it looks different to every single person in regards to time, session frequency, what the actual session entails, etc. And I think with strength as well, it's like, so I always do full body because I don't weight train enough to warrant upper lower, upper lower. I think I have three clients that that do four sessions a week. One of my clients, one of my clients, yeah, one of my clients yesterday said to me um, how training, since we've been training together since March, it's revolutionary for her to train full body because she was like, yeah, because she'd been doing upper, lower, upper, lower, et cetera. And then she said, but it it blows, she was like, but it makes so much sense because like you say, sometimes I will miss a week because work's really busy. And then I felt like I was getting on the back foot because I'd 
I'd miss legs or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then she also loves hiking. So then she was trying to get an extra lower in on that day. And I, she was like, but then I was already hiking. So, yeah. so she said, oh, it has been revolutionary for me. And then I said, what else have you noticed? She's like, oh, I recover quicker. So I can yeah. go the next day. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Not do it. Your volume automatically drops, which mm. is, I love full body. But like my full body, when I, that I give to clients looks so much different than my full body. Mm. Like I might do, um, again, <laughs> Don't copy me. Well, you can, you can, but it probably you probably won't like it. Um, I always do a really long warm up because it. I think it is. A, I use it as an accumulation for time on the bike. What do you class as a long warm up? Fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. But, but again, people are like fifteen minutes. That's quarter of my session. But my goals lie more with the bike. So yeah. um, the reason I do that fifteen minutes in zone two is because. Then say I train, say I weight train three times in the week and I do 15 minutes zone two each time. That's 45 minutes that yeah. I've accumulated. So there you I go. Tried. It's not like um you need to do a 15 minute. It's not that. It's just. That's your goal at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I kind of like 15, 20 minutes on yeah. the bike. Before because I, I, yeah. And I also think psychologically it gets you in the zone to go into your session. Whereas yeah. if you do like, like I used to do it so often as well. Like I cringe thinking back. I used to literally just walk into the gym and be like, do a couple of arm swings and just crack on. Like, okay, here we go. Whereas, yeah, it's just so much. But I think also when we talk about like a longer warm up, um, Mass put it really well. I think recently, didn't he, when he said about warm ups, like people put maybe too much emphasis on it needs to be really strict in its prescription and um, no, just get ready to move get ready to yeah so he he basically said um that a lot of people will spend 15 minutes doing stretches and ankle mobility this this and it's yeah. like just kick yeah just move just and this is what you know people that hate the assault bike but if you look at the assault bike right if you sit on that for 10 minutes easy bear in mind people just sit on the assault bike and automatically think they need to send it sit on that assault bike think about the movement right you're getting rotation midline rotation yeah you're um, you're pushing and pulling with the upper body whilst rotating and you're using your legs and your heart rate's gone up slightly and you're extending it out name me a better warm up yeah i can't find one we don't have yeah. we have i hate by the way i'm a big old school assault bike lover the new ones those rogue echoes are dog shit <laughs> i've not yeah, been on one of them yet they're awful it feels completely it just feels so wrong, but the assault bike. I remember once you got the seat to the right height, and you you know you're you're like, I used to sit on it for an hour. Yeah. Shit TV, watch MasterChef. <laughs> when I was in yeah. Saudi, when we had it, when we uh, lockdown happened, they closed the gym, and I was like, back see the assault bike going in my living room. Um, but yeah, so I do that because that's my goal, mm. and then. The first thing I do when I hop off the bike is two core movements, but like hardcore movements. And then I might do hardcore, well, hard (laughs) core movements. And then I might do uh, build up to two heavy sets of safety bar squats, for example. And then I might do um, some dumbbell press and some rows. Yeah. Yeah. But totally depends. It depends on what you yeah, depends on what you're doing, doesn't it? Exactly. For yeah. a beginner, that might not work. Yeah. But for me, it's like that's exactly what I want. I want a I want some aerobic work, I want some 
some really tough core work and then I want something tough strength wise and then I want a little pump at the end the end yeah whereas for me mine's normally like 15 20 minutes of aerobic work I love I love and again I think this is more psychological than anything else but Mm. I just love a perfect stretch but that's because I've been doing it for years for my hips what's that you know we do a big lunge forward chest to your knees but really nice for me because I have quite a stiff thoracic so for me it's really nice just to get a little bit of that and then also do a couple of thread the needles I also really like them uh them wall dead bugs that you sent me so I've just kept them in Ooh, they're hard and also a little bit of jumping for example like I have massive boobs so (laughs) I I don't always do it because genuinely I need two bras um but I love skipping jumping and not just like really high in the air just hopping and from training people Jess I'm sure you've um, witnessed it as well but when you're training older people and they haven't spent much work doing that like people cannot jump also by the way (laughs) even like a few inches into the air they they physically can't get there yeah there's a trend on TikTok at the moment have you seen it which is like how people have forgot to skip oh yeah I saw an old man yeah and that's what I mean like you like you said older people it's because as the old saying goes if you don't use it you lose it so if you're not doing those types of things regularly your body kind of does forget that motor pattern and it's like but what you want me to do what now Um, that's what I say to my older clients I always say if you don't use it you lose it and I always say motion is lotion yeah that's a good one I like that yeah because it's like if you don't and I always say like look at your knee joint right it's designed to move your Mm. femur don't want to move that (laughs) That's yeah. called a, <laughs> yeah. That's called a break. A broken bone, right? <laughs> but your knee is supposed to move. Look at your spine. If you looked at a spine with no flesh, right? Just a spinal cord. It's vertebrae. Mm. It's designed to move. It's not designed to stay still. Elbow, it's designed to move. Um yeah. it, it's not it is, you know, it's a ball and socket, right? Which means it's designed to move. All like your knee will go extend and God, I've forgotten the word. Ex, you know I can't think of a word I'm a fitness coach anyway yeah your knee's supposed to extend and flex but but if you put your foot out right angle your knee in the right angle right try and turn that left and right it ain't doing it because it's not supposed yeah. to but it's supposed yeah. to go forward and back so I always think and I say to older clients like who are scared to like move in certain ways I'm like you you were designed yeah to move in these exact ways like but we get a lot of a lot of the time it's help helping people realize for example that they're safe in those places so think of right getting somebody into a deep squat so that their ass is almost touching the floor their knee is in full flex it's like for a lot of people like they're scared to go that low because they they've either not done it for so long Mm. that their body's kind of forgotten it so how many times have you done it Sash where you've like sat behind somebody and like almost like ushered them a little bit lower like look you can sit here you can go a little bit lower and they're like oh I feel like I'm about to fall and you're like you're not you're fine you're good exactly and that's what I love and I think and this is I know uh listeners won't know too much about this but in the fitness industry we're by the marketers tell us that we should shoehorn ourselves into like a niche to to Mm -hmm. make us like um to make our marketing easier which is really what it's for right but working with different people of different ages with different goals with different what makes you a better coach than doing that working with everyone who I've worked with over the age of 
50. How much do you learn from those people? Yeah. And then just to say that you, oh, I help people, whatever. And it's like, you're missing out. Such a, like an amazing part of humanity that have been through stuff that we haven't even lived through Mm. yet. We can't, we can't know what it feels like. And I just think, what a shame what a what a crying shame that some people ha- like get told to reduce themselves to such a small part of the world to just oh it just annoys me Get the bill yeah looking annoys me honestly so we spoke a lot about fitness um in the gym and mm-hmm. exercise what about outside the gym what about when it comes to balance in regards to our overall lifestyles i think so it's a funny funny story I said to Jess before we started this pod, I said, I'm not talking about eating out. It does my head in. And she goes, well, maybe we should talk about it, but you explain why it does your head in. And I said, okay. I think the reason the managing, why not hate the word managing? Managing. Because it, 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 it insinuates it needs to be managed, right? Socially, Especially around food. I feel like there's, there's different, like managing stress is different. Yeah, a little bit different. Managing food absolutely and I think um the reason it frustrates me is because deep breath deep breath one is because eating out is supposed to be enjoyable and it is an occasion right it's supposed to be enjoyable by telling people that there's certain ways to go about it is criminal and I think it teaches, it takes us further away from autonomy. It mm. takes us further away from intu- intu- intuitive behaviors yes. when it comes to food. It basically is taking you further and further and further away until you're miles off it, until suddenly you're going mm. in and you're looking at the menu and you're thinking, oh, I can't. Uh, and it's like, if if that was me, honestly, and this is what did happen with me, I just wouldn't go. But the yeah. enjoyment. The enjoyment's gone. But then there's a, there's another side of it where um like um Dr. Jennifer Gaudiani says it's like in this in our uh, society we assume that the absence of rules means free for all. Right? So then suddenly you've got people who don't eat anything in the day and then they go out and they'll have starter main course dessert bottle of wine and suddenly they feel god awful and then it just puts them in a position where they feel awful, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's certain things that we all enjoy when we're going out for food and also like I've said before on this pod probably 50 times but you're gonna go out for food forever yeah, you, yeah. you're gonna you, don't eat out then forever problem solved it's like well you're gonna you're gonna at some point it's about taking the heat off it and just realizing that it's gonna happen and we shouldn't be constantly monitoring our intake all the time. It's not healthy. It's not, if, if I have a client that's, that has been in a position where they're monitoring their intake and then they say, you know what, I had my lunch. No idea what calories were in it. Couldn't tell you with a gun to my head. I'd be like, sweet, because it's not important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sweet, that's good. What did you have? Oh, I had this. Was it nice? Yeah, I loved it. Did it give you energy for the rest of the day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I had a... an apple at about four o'clock and then I have my tea great don't need to talk about it again it's one meal it's done 
And I think the obsession around it and teaching people how to manage a meal out. If an alien came down in a UFO and said, we have to <laughs> teach people how to manage going to a restaurant and ordering off a menu, they'd be like, what? What do you mean? If you if you imagine yourself explaining it to someone who'd never been in that situation they and they wouldn't get it, then it's it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And this is why it does my head in because fitness is something that is supposed to make your life better, yet it, it finds a way of sapping enjoyment out of things. Yeah. That, that's what I don't like. That's why it does my head in. <laughs> and, and I, yeah. And I think this is the challenge that, we're, that we face at the moment, which is the, the, the calories in, calories out part, which is energy balance, has been the... Um, poster boy for nutrition for a really long time and that, love that yeah, yeah it has it's, it's been taken from the fact that it's the most simple simplest thing that a lot of people can understand oh, okay so if I eat more and move less I'll gain weight whereas mm -hmm. if I eat less and move more I'll lose weight and if they're mm -hmm. both in an equal equilibrium then I'll stay the same that's so simple you just explain that in 15 seconds Jess that's almost like anybody mm -hmm. could get that Okay, yeah. great. But again, the poster boy that's been picked has been cherry-picked with an agenda that yeah. suits the world that we live in at the moment, which favours getting smaller, being yeah, thinner, um, feeding into the, the huge capitalist world, which is yeah. selling us to have something to solve about ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We so are a like, problem. We must be yeah. solved. We must get better. We must be pre productive. We cannot just exist. <laughs> So it fuels the agenda of companies who are trying to help you lose weight. It yeah. fuels the agenda of um, apps and uh, different tracking systems because it is such a simple equation that we can all get. But like I say, it has been picked out as one thing of the whole nutrition conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and what does Pete? What does Peter say? Sorry, in that book, Sash, about nutrition. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, he he uh, I can't remember exactly but he basically says that there's so much this the nutrition world is so interesting and fascinating and deep and and there's so many aspects of it that he he said in his book I'm not going to basically degrade myself and start talking about shit diets yeah he, so that... he, it's almost like this is insulting to the world of speaking about keto or not even that speaking about cutting out carbohydrates for a holiday it's so reductionist and almost insulting to the nutrition world that he was like before you start before we start I'm not talking about this so if this is what you're interested in piss off yeah and I think that's the same with the energy balance thing although the challenge is energy balance actually is a, a scientific fact unlike the keto thing which just gets misread or whatever Random, but yeah. it's like but it's like the 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 energy balancing has been cherry picked but without any understanding of the things that go into either side of those equation appetite the amount of food you consume how calories are absorbed psychological element of nutrition how <laughs> how all the sides of the energy out equation are often uh, portrayed to people mm. as well you can burn x amount of calories if you look at your watch it's like oh fucking hell jesus christ yeah. are we still here are we still are we still here that's it that's the issue yeah. so so when it comes to that nutrition conversation, um, the balance thing is probably the most unique part of 
what you will work on for the for the Absolutely. whole of your life. Absolutely. And I'm just going to name drop Holly, who was on our podcast. She did a great post this morning um, about nutrition and balance and and how, um, obviously, as we said on the podcast before, there's a difference between satisfaction and and satiety. Satiety is fullness. Satisfaction is... Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it, right? You need to mix the two. You can't just live in the. You can't, you can't you if you're living for. So, for example, satisfaction for for me would be um, spaghetti al dente with a shitload of butter and salt. Right, that's pure satisfaction for me. Is it gonna keep me full and is it nourishing? No. Does that mean I won't eat it ever? No. Does it mean I'll eat it all the time? No. Does it mean you'll eat it sometimes? Sometimes, exactly. Yes. So I think I think last night my tea is a really good example, right? Because I'd, uh, we get a veg box and Dan's not here. Dan's gone to Marseille, so I'm in charge of eating it. <laughs> I'm in charge. And um, so I thought, right, how can I... So I thought we had loads of... Uh, salad basically and these massive spring onions are just love that shit delicious and then we had some tuna so I thought okay I'll make a really nice tuna salad but really oh my god it was so good and I mixed the tuna with mayonnaise and mustard which I love spring onions salt bit of chili and I had lettuce tomatoes cucumber the spring onion green the green end of it in the salad vinegar olive oil and it was absolutely delicious right satiating Mm. yes in a way but also lettuce is water so it's not going to keep me full for that long so I thought right how can I make this meal a meal because at the minute I can't see that keeping me full for very long I had some chips so some people would be like chips I had a handful of fries in the air fryer on the side and I looked and I thought, I've got a massive salad with greens, protein, fats, um, vegetables, um, whatever, and a bowl of chips on the side. Did I eat anything after tea? No. Would I have if I didn't have those chips? Of course I would. I would have been nose, I would have been balls deep in the chocolate buttons, eating them all night. But I was full from that meal. So I was satiated and satisfied. And mm. I think all meals, like Holly said, not all majority should have both elements for example some people say you know what I'm not into like broccoli and cauliflower I like it but I do like it with a bit of cheese sauce on top there you go satiety satisfaction the balance when it comes to nutrition is balancing those two things I think yeah yeah absolutely and I think when it comes to thinking around the chat that goes around a lot of the moment, like you say, managing it, managing it, it's not managing it. It's just getting to know yourself better. Like understanding those things. What do I like? What would I like to maybe have some more and less of? I think that's a really good way of approaching it. It's not saying you're never going to have these things. It's just saying, yeah, I really do like that, but I probably could benefit from having less, I don't know, alcohol in my life or whatever it might be or I could probably benefit from having less KFC right yeah exactly. so I like it but I'm gonna have less of it okay and great it's not, and you're not demonizing it no you're not demonizing 
And you're just saying, I will still have it, but just probably less frequently. Because at the moment I'm having it once a week and I think that's too much, et cetera, yeah. whatever it might be. Okay, what do I need some more of in my life? What I, if I look at my my diet that I've had this week, like what does that look like? But do you know what? I'm actually probably only having like three portions of fruit and veg each day. I could probably have more fruit or more veg. Okay, cool. How could you do that? Well, oh, like on my evening meal, I'm only having one portion at the minute. Maybe I could have two. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's cool. That's a good way yeah, of looking at it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not obs- it's not creating obsessive tendencies. It's like, it's looking at it objectively and just as it is. It's not being like, I need to have this. I can't have this. I need, it's like, huh. It's like me with my chocolate croissants, right? <laughs> Sound like that was like. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. It's about me with my chocolate croissants. Look, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll hold my hand up. Uh, there was a stage when I was really busy with one to ones where, um, I would have to leave early, so I didn't eat in the morning because it's too early, and I'd be like, because I just can't do it. But then I'd get to work, and I'd be like, oh, I've got half an hour, and then I wasn't organized with taking any food with me, so I would just, I would get a coffee, um and a pan chocolat pretty much every single day right and then at the weekend we'd probably go down the road because we've got a gorgeous road near our house probably get an almond croissant not gonna lie to you so it got to the point where I was having like seven pastries a week (laughs) and this is not long ago right did I the thing is with me as I've said before that I actually didn't I felt fine you know some people be like oh I'd be starving right like you know I'm not gonna lie I, I felt fine on it I had no adverse effect but was it nourishing and was it the best idea for me? No, because I was then missing out on a full meal of nutrients that I could have been getting. So now I'll only have that pan chocolat on my two really busy one-to-one days, which is Tuesday and Thursday. And I noticed I didn't take it out completely. I just said Tuesday and Thursday, pan chocolat days. And mm. on the other days, I've been, I was telling my client Claire about yesterday, I've been experimenting with... um different smoothies and making like trying to get a really nice flavor on the go so I have that instead before I leave on the other days to me like we said we were going to explain what balance is to us for me that's balance because I'm still enjoying my little greasy yeah and chocolat but then on the other days I'm getting a heap of protein um loads of fruits I've obviously put frozen fruit in it um and I'm getting all that good stuff and keeping the greasy chocolate mess. Yeah, but it's like, for, for me, I, I, that's where I always fall, that line where it's like, some food should feed your body, as in the yeah. nourishment side of things, and some should feed your soul. It might not necessarily be nourishing on the satiety scale, but it is high on the satisfaction scale. Mm. So if that's what makes you happy, I just think, it like, 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 life is too short to eradicate things that we love and enjoy and find that that balance especially when we're not working towards a specific bodybuilder aesthetic goal where you're not allowed to touch a pastry for a year or whatever the rule is it's like that'd be a sad one it's yeah it's it's like but but people will have you believe that that is what you need to do to get to where you want to get to and we're here to say no but you do need to have a look at what you are doing and what balance looks like ask yourself what would a balanced diet look like to me and don't just think of the generic oh it looks like five a day it looks like this it looks don't say what you think you heard say say what you actually you feel 
and also yeah Sasha Sasha is obviously big on um (laughs) finances and she's she obviously loves Ramit who's also got a new Netflix show out so if you get to watch that me and them two at dinner can you even imagine could you imagine but he he always (laughs) asks the question doesn't he that's like what's what is your rich life like what would you like to spend your money on like Mm. because that will look different to every single person yeah some people it'd be like, I like to have a, a um a brand new spanking car on the drive. For somebody else, it'd be like, I like to spend my money on holidays. Somebody else would be like, I like to eat out. Each of those people might look at each other and be like, I can't believe you've wasted money on that, that, right. or that. How many it's times have people said to you, Oh, that's a waste of money? It's like to no, you. To you, it's your money. And it's the yeah. same when it comes to your diet, which is the balance thing. Yeah. What does a balanced diet look like to you? Because if that looks like having a takeout once or twice a week, mm-hmm. fine. Right. Let's have a look at what that looks like. But mm-hmm. let's also look at what the outcome might be from that. So if you do that, then you'll probably be here in regards to feel or performance or whatever, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am quite happy with that. I'm it's not happy with that. that. Okay. What do, what do we change? It's a constant balancing act. No pun intended. Exactly. And I also think when, when, asking yourself that question what does balance look like for you you should also remove the word two words which are should and expectation so Mm, not what's expected of you because you so oh Jess I'm sure you've you've heard it's like when you if you say to like um a client and then and then or or a a human being and they'll almost try and like say what they think that you want to hear that's what I mean by like oh I should eat five five a day shouldn't I and it's like uh-uh. no what, do, what yeah. do you think yeah what do you think but we don't trust ourselves so we're, we're almost thinking well I can't be right because otherwise I wouldn't be here and it's like that's not the case at all mm-hmm. that's not the case it's not what's expected of this is why I always say how many sessions do you think you're going to do a week not what you think you are expected to do not what you think you should do how many are you actually gonna do because ex- expectations around this stuff is such a big topic and it's like does it matter at that time a pan of chocolate every day worked for me was it the best thing I could be doing no but I looked at it and it was it was I think it was probably for about a month but don't you think as well it's like um people think that once you get to a certain point, it's like it's static. And then it's like, once you've achieved the perfect, quote unquote, perfect diet, mm. then you're there forever. And it's like, no. Like, uh, Sasha just used that example where she had to kind of check in with herself and be like, uh, is this serving me right now? I'll do it quite frequently with water. I'll sometimes be like, whoa, I've definitely not drank enough water this week as much as I would normally do. Or, um, oh, my veg takes, veg intake's been a little bit lower than normal yeah. or whatever it is. And often it's because, guess what? Life is going on around you and it's not your main priority and focus 24-7, which exactly. is a good thing because it's not it's not obsessive. Yeah. But every now and again, you do need to maybe like touch base, just like you do with your finances. And you maybe go, oh, where <laughs> am I at with that that saving goal? Or where am I at with that whatever? You exactly. touch base, don't you? And I think, yeah, like Jess said, it's checking in with yourself. It's also not making a big deal out of it. Because I, I told Jess then, I no one else knew about that. Not, I wasn't ashamed of it. It's just irrelevant information for most people. But it's the same with the veg thing. There are times where I'm like, you know what? My, I'm being really shit with veg. And so we, we started getting the veg box and that made it better. But it's almost like that's just me having a conversation with myself. I don't think yeah. I even said that out loud. You can You can slip out of it and go back into it. And you will, it's inevitable. 
I think that's the pressure there, you know, like, because that's when people say, like, this is when people slip into that. I've been so bad. I've been so good lately. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not about that bad or good no, state. I hate it's, just that. About, it's about, like, your awareness of where you're at and could it be better? Oh, it's slightly less than where I would like it to be. How could I improve that? That, that is a really much more healthy approach mm. to this situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it's the way in which we do that, again, is, like, totally different for everyone I had a client actually yesterday and I thought it was pretty cool um he was doing a food diary because one of his main goals was to like get get better at nutrition basically as a whole yeah. so he did his three days at two week two days in the week and then one at the weekend and I said oh when I'm back from my holiday let's get a call booked in and we'll go over it and he said I'm gonna do every day until then so I've got a better overview of what I've got that's what he said that I didn't say it. Yeah. That's what I mean about trusting ourselves. Like that is a, I, I said, great idea. We need to trust ourselves, like experiment. And, and that's why the whole like afraid of failure thing, it was so hard. We're so worried about wasting time that we don't experiment with anything. Yeah. And so we're like, oh yeah, but it's waste. It's like, like yesterday I did, um, <laughs> it, was, it was travesty to be honest. I tested myself and I did 20 minutes running intervals which for me is tough and I thought I wonder how much even like easy easy like so people think they're easy I mean like shuffling forward barely running I could walk at that speed see how much it affected my heart rate when I went into my bike after for 40 minutes it was awful Mm. so people might say oh yeah but that's an hour wasted like no it isn't no it isn't I experimented and the, yeah. the 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 results from the experiment were inconclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Not I think good. that's it. Like you say, people are so people are so worried that. Yeah. And again, it's like for what for what for what. Term. Yeah. So imagine if I was just doing one of my twelve week phases of training, and then I'll give up and do it and pick it up next year. That one session is a huge percentage of that. Yeah. But because I've got, I'm just doing it, I don't care. It was absolutely awful. <laughs> I was sweating. God, it was awful. But I wanted to just try something like this client. Oh, I'm going to do my food diary every day. Um, just because I think it'd be better to get an overall look rather than, and I said, great. Mm-hmm. Great. And that's where the collaborative el- collaborative element of coaching comes in. It's two people. There's no power dynamic. Yeah. Two people working on the same level one person's guiding but the other person their input is just if not more important than the other person I love how I'm doing hand gestures and I'm on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> lovely delightful I've got such a busy day now go get it Go get it, girl. You got it. You got not, this. Not dentist. <laughs> dentist is so it's just like right slap back and slap bang in the middle of what I really don't need right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. I always the dentist always sneaks up, doesn't it? I'm yeah. Not, where mine is. Okay, thank you ever so much for listening, everybody. As always, um, thank you for the shares that you've done recently. Um, keep them coming. We always love to hear from you. Um, yeah. and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.